song when I was living in America. And it has had a special, a special meaning ever since. And I thank you for that beautiful item. Well, it's good to be back at Salisbury again. I, I was trying to think when I was here last, and I can't remember. It's, there's so many times I'm in and out and in and out. But it's, uh, it's wonderful to be back. I thank you for the invitation. Um, Michael and Bono were visiting us the other day, and he invited me to, to take his spot. So I noticed he's not here today, so I guess he's got a day off. So I, um, it's good to be here and to study the Word with you once again. I just want to share a quick update. For those of you who don't know me, uh, my name's Robbie Bergen. I'm a, a pastor with the Australian Union, and I work for and with Faith FM, which is our radio station here in Australia. And I wanted to give you a quick update on some of the things happening at Faith FM before we get into our, our study for the morning. So for those of you who don't know, I see a few faces I haven't recognized before here at Salisbury. So if you don't know, Faith FM is our main media ministry at the Australian Union, which reaches all of Australia, focusing on Australia. And our goal is very simple. We're broadcasting the everlasting gospel in a very practical way with the goal of transforming people's lives and connecting them with our local Seventh-day Adventist churches. That's our goal of Faith FM. And we are doing that through not just radio, but also through the web, the internet, and through mobile phones. And we've got a service of on-demand. So there's plenty of people these days, especially our younger demographic, that don't have time to listen to the live radio, but they listen to the radio programs on demand. So if you don't have the Faith FM app, go ahead, go to your app store on your phone and download the Faith FM app and make sure you share it with people that you know. It's a fantastic um, window into people's lives. Currently, Faith FM has more than 180, I think it's 186 towers across Australia where we're broadcasting from. And that means we, we currently reach one in five Australians. That is a massive achievement for a, a very small operation compared to some of the other radio networks across Australia. And we have a number of production studios for Faith FM. We have one in Adelaide and Newcastle, they, and, and Hobart started in April this year, where we're broadcasting live programs every morning and every afternoon. And there's a number of other, pro, uh, other studios where we're creating content that goes out across the nation as well. And some great programs that we've got that are locally created speaking to a local Australian audience. Now, why and how do we actually make Faith FM uh, or provide Faith FM in a way that can connect people to local churches. People say, yeah, but you're just broadcasting on the air. How do you know it actually works? Well, I'm so glad you asked. We have a very clear strategy at Faith FM that leads people from the broadcast right through to baptism. And the stages, of those, for those of you who are technically minded and you want to know the stages, it's very simple. We start with support. Support helps us create content. The content is designed to be engaging. We broadcast that. As people listen, they respond to the programming. We send out an ambassador from the local church in their community to visit them and to give them the resources that they've asked for. They connect with the local church. Our decisions are made for Jesus. Baptisms take place and the local church then nurtures those people. And you say, that sounds so simple. Does it work? Absolutely. 
it works. In fact, I'm going to share with you three stories in just a minute of it, how it has worked with people that I've met personally. I'll skip that for now. So here's two things I would like you to consider. Number one, get the app. I told you already, it's a great resource for you personally, but to share it with people. Even if there's no radio signal in your area, we have people that are listening to the radio through their phones, which is becoming more and more popular these days with smartphones and smart um, entertainment systems and smart cars. The second thing is get the newsletter. We send out a newsletter, an electronic newsletter, telling you all the things that are happening with Faith FM, some of the amazing listener stories. So sign up for that. You can go to faithfm.com.au and go to the newsletter and just put your email address in. That's all you need to put in and you'll be on the list for that. So two really easy ways to get into the loop with what's happening with, with the, um, the radio station of the church in Australia. Now, I want to share with you these really quick stories. This is George. I met George in May. George lives in uh, Newcastle, just north of Sydney. And this was, I got to meet him in between all the lockdowns happening. So it worked out perfectly. George, is a, uh, he grew up as a Greek Orthodox but in his words, his family didn't practice anything except for weddings and funerals. That was his extent of Greek Orthodox. And his brother, when he was, his brother, younger brother was born, he was born with a disability. And so George had a lot of resentment to God that he would allow his baby brother to be born with a disability. So George has spent his whole life just living the, the Australian dream. I'm not sure where the Australian dream is these days, but he was just growing up living that, not really involved with religion. And then about a year ago, he, um, he lost his mother in a car accident. And that tipped him right over the edge in terms of his attitude towards God. Where is this great loving God? Look what he did to my brother. Look what he did to my mother. And so George, he was sitting one night in his lounge room there in Newcastle, and he, in his words, he was watching some, he didn't tell me which show it was, but some American sitcom, so, you know, comedy show. And as he's watching it, he says he had a thought in his head, and it wasn't his thought, but the thought said this, this is a load of rubbish, stop wasting your time. And so he felt impressed to go and turn the TV off, and then go turn his home radio, not his car, doesn't even own a car, turn the home radio on. And when he turned the home radio on, there was some music playing or something like that. And it, he's like, what's this? So he pressed the seek button. You know the seek button? Find the next station. He pressed that seek button. And the next thing that pops up was Faith FM. And as he starts listening, immediately he got his attention. I'm not sure what it was talking about. He doesn't remember. But there was something playing right there that got his attention. And as he started listening to it, he is... In, in absolutely in trawl with the messages that he's hearing. For the next three weeks, he listens to nothing. No TV, no music, nothing except for Faith FM. He works at St. Vincent de Paul, the, the op shop there in Newcastle. And he's telling all the people he works with about Faith FM. So he's being an ambassador for Faith FM uh, very early on. Long story short, he hears a message on Faith FM from one of our pastors here in Australia who was talking about the importance of baptism. When George heard this message, he had never heard that when you are baptized, you are immersed into the water as a believer, not a baby being sprinkled by a priest somewhere. 
And so immediately he had this thought, I need to be baptized. So he decided to go on the internet and type in where the local Seventh-day Adventist church was because he knew Faith FM was Seventh-day Adventist. He found the local church, and this, this was um, in uh, March this year. And so he, he doesn't own a car. The church is seven kilometers away. So he walks. He wakes up Saturday morning and he walks seven kilometers to the local church. And when he gets to the church, guess what? It's shut because of the whole restriction business back in March. So as he's walking back out, he's thinking, I wonder if there are any other churches that baptize by immersion. And he walks past the Baptist church. But the Baptist church isn't open on Saturday. So he's like, oh, oh well. So he walks back home. So a few weeks go by and he sort of forgets the idea. And then all of a sudden he's listening to Faith of Him another couple of weeks later. And he's reminded, oh, that's right. I've got to get baptized. I wonder if the church is open now. So he walks back a couple of weeks later to the same church. And when he gets there, guess what? The church is open. So he walks in. And as he walks in, there is a baptism taking place. The person being baptized is this guy. His name is Peter. Peter, a year before, was an alcoholic and he was driving his work van, not under the influence, but he was driving his work van in Newcastle down towards Avondale. And as he was going there for a job, he was listening to heavy metal on 86.7 in Newcastle. And as he got far enough out of the um, Newcastle area, it switched over automatically to Faith FM. And he was shocked to hear this religious stuff when he just listened to heavy metal because we have frequency crossover between different networks. He hears this and he can't stop to change the channel and he listens to Faith FM for the next year. One year. During that year, he had heard everything he needed to hear to believe that God loved him, that God had the power to transform him, and he wanted to keep the Sabbath and he wanted to be baptized. So guess what? Peter shows up to the same church that George just showed up to, but he showed up six weeks earlier. When he gets there, he says to the pastor, I want to get baptized. The pastor said, oh, that's good. We'll start Bible study. He says, what for? I know everything. And the pastor, who I know quite well, he said, nobody knows everything. So he sat down with Peter. This is this guy here on the screen. And Peter says, well, what do you want to know? Do you want to know about 1844? Do you want to know about the investigative judgment, Ellen White? Do you want to know about health reform? What do you want to know about? And the pastor's like, where did you come from? He said, I've been listening to Gary Webster, to Mark Finley, to Doug Batchelor. He's listening to all the speakers that we have on Faith FM. And so the pastor sits down with him and he goes through all the doctrines with him and he already knew every single doctrine we have. Because if you listen to Faith FM for one year, you will learn everything we know. So long story short, Peter is being baptized on the day that George shows up. Peter gets up to share his testimony of how he became a Christian. And he tells him about Faith FM. Well, George gets up and he says... That's my story. And so George began Bible studies with the same pastor. And George got baptized the first um, Sabbath in June. This year just gone. Absolutely incredible. And 
I want one more story real quick. I know this isn't the message, but these stories excite me. This lady, Janice. Janice lives in Coffs Harbour. And Janice, right when um, it, was, it was August last year, so COVID was kind of the big deal thing, right? And Janice is in her 60s. And when she was experiencing all these lockdowns and things, she was terrified of dying. Terrified of it. She has no Christian background. She grew up um, in New South Wales with an abusive father. She left home when she was 14. She's had no faith in her life. But when all this COVID thing was happening, she was terrified about death and dying. And so one day she gets into a taxi in Kofsawa to go from her place to the hospital for an appointment. And as she's driving along in the taxi, the taxi driver has Faith FM turned on. Now, we don't have, I've tried to find out, but we don't have a Seventh-day Adventist taxi driver in Kofsawa. So it was just some, some random taxi with Faith FM turned on. When she gets into the taxi and she's driving along, my previous president I used to work for, Gary Webster, who's an evangelist, we had his message on there, and it happened to be him talking about what happens when you die. Talk about an inspiring message, right? People, especially Seventh-day Adventists, they go, well, we shouldn't talk about death to people as first thing. Well, apparently God wanted to with this lady. So this lady is sitting in the back of a taxi on the way to the hospital appointment, listening to Gary Webster on Faith FM talking about death. At the end of the program, Gary makes an appeal. He says, if you want to know more information, contact the station. So she contacts the station. She wants to know about death. So we call the Coffs Arbor Seventh-day Adventist Church. We say to the pastor, is there anybody there who can deliver this free resource to this lady about death? Yes, we've got someone here. So this guy, Stuart is his name. He goes to her house, knocks on the door and says, I'm I'm representing Faith FM. Here's this resource you asked for about death. And she said, before I even look at it, you tell me what does the Bible teach about death? Now, my question to you, could you do it? Could you? If I sent you, if I called you up and said, hey, I need you to go to this person's door. Someone's requesting some information about death. And when you get there, they ask you, could you do it? Could you share with that person from the Bible what it teaches about death? I sure hope so. Well, Stuart could. Amen. (laughs) And so he shared with her about death from the Bible at the front door. And she said, I knew there was more to it. Stuart said, would you like some more um, resources on different topics from the Bible? She says, I would. And so he made an appointment to come each week and give her the Beyond DVDs. You know, the Beyond DVDs. About three weeks in, he said, oh, would We've got a little study group happening at our church. Would you like to join us? She says, I would. She told me, Janice, when she went to the church for the first time, she was greeted by four ladies who were the friendliest people she had ever met in her life, and they are now her best friends. If we invited one of our Faith of Him listeners to your church, would they be met by four really friendly ladies? And would they become friends for life? I hope this is the sort of church you are, Salisbury. Long story short, Janice got baptized. Oh, come on. From listening to Faith FM about death, she got baptized. George, Peter, Janice, these are some of the people I've had a chance to actually meet in between all these crazy lockdowns this year. 
Amazing stories. You know, you as faithful Christians, as Bible-believing Christians, you have a part to play in this. Share the app with people. Talk about it with your co-workers. Hey, have you checked out Faith FM? We have all sorts of information. And the thing that you can do also is to help support. We get funding from the union. We get funding from the local conferences. But we still need $660 a day to keep Faith FM going and growing. So we're looking for 660 Seventh-day Adventists to subscribe to our uh, sponsorship program. So you go onto the website, faithfm.com.au slash donate. You put in your credit card details and we take out $30 a month. That's $365 a year. If we have 660 people, it's not 666, it's just 660. If we have that many people, we can continue to reach people like Peter, like George and Janice. And there's a whole number of other names I could share with you, but I'm not here for that. But if you could support Faith FM, we would greatly appreciate it. And you are a part of the story. Now, when you support Faith FM, it's not just a black hole you send money to. You become one of our team. We give you behind-the-scenes information. We give you videos and access that no one else gets on the network because you're one of our ministry partners. So visit faithfm.com.au slash donate and get involved with what we're doing. It's absolutely incredible. And thank you to those of you here. There are supporters here at, at Salisbury already. I want to thank you for what you have done and what you continue to do. All right. I'm passionate about Faith FM and about ministry and outreach and evangelism, and I will show you why based on today's sermon. It is all connected. Don't worry. Let's pray. Father in heaven, what is going on? What is going on in this world? It is, seems like every time we meet, there's some new restriction, there's some new change, some new requirement. What is going on? We've got a world of people looking and asking questions. And ministries like Faith FM, like Hope, like 3ABN, Amazing Facts, all these media ministries, we're trying to reach our part. But it's us as individuals that will make the difference. Father, bless us now as we open your word. May your spirit speak to us through it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What's going on? That's the title. The last couple of years have been insane. I, I feel like I'm getting exponentially older because things are rapidly changing. Have you noticed? What's going on? Let's have a quick recap. In 2020, there were these crazy bushfires that no one even remembers now. And it was only a year and a half ago. But what was that about? Of course, everything's been eclipsed since we have the introduction of COVID in February. We saw those crazy um, emptying of, of shops and the stockpiling. We saw the, the plagues hitting the African continent last year. We saw a, a devastating tornado season in the United States last year. And then we've seen viruses mutating and getting more and more widespread and more common in the last decade or so. Almost two decades now. There was the mad cow disease in 20. Uh, 2003, then, then there was SARS, which was a COVID-type virus in 2003. Then there was bird flu. I was living in Taiwan when bird flu hit. It only lasted a couple of weeks compared to what we're seeing now in terms of people wearing masks and restrictions and things. And then there was swine flu. 
that was a, another nasty one that, that went around, especially the Asian cities when we were in Taipei. It hit a lot of our church members in Taipei. And then there was MERS in 2015, which is basically COVID, but it was in the Middle East. And then in 2018, there was the Ebola breakout. You, you forgot all this stuff, haven't you? Because all you've been hearing about is COVID-19, COVID-19. But this is, this is all relatively recent. And then, yeah, the COVID-19. Then we had other crazy things happen. We've had this push in Australia. The Reserve Bank's been pushing since 2018 towards a cashless society. Before COVID even existed in terms of a, a, a media presence, the Reserve Bank was already announcing softly, softly that we're going in 2018 towards a cashless society. And that's just been ramping up. And because of COVID, it's actually accelerated it beyond what even the Reserve Bank thought could be possible. It just keeps going faster. And now they're saying outrightly that um, it's a good thing because, you know, cash has viruses, apparently. <laughs> then we have lockdowns. Lockdowns, I mean, who knew about this term two, 18 months ago? Lockdown was a thing that they did for prisoners that were misbehaving. They locked down a section of the prison. Now we've got lockdown countries and lockdown states. It seems like we're the last lockdown country, but we're all familiar with lockdowns now. I mean, this is crazy stuff. In 18 months, this is what we're talking about. And now we're having, of course, these whole vaccine debates and discussions around things like you're not going to have a job if you don't get the jab, New South Wales especially. They're talking about not letting you fly. They're talking about bringing in um, man mandatory vaccin vaccinations for all government workers. Talking about COVID vaccine passports now. I mean, what is going on with this world? It seems like two years ago, I was uh, enjoying ministry. We had absolutely no concept of restrictions in this country. I could go to any state any time and states almost non-existent except for when it came to the state of origin. Outside of that, you didn't even think about the states, especially those Western ones. <laughs> then we had this push in the last 18 months about a green Sabbath. A green Sabbath is basically an environmental day off a week. And since COVID has happened and all the lockdowns have happened, it makes sense now to save the environment to have a day off. So there's a push. This is not an Adventist thing. This is a push outside of Adventism. It's not even really religious, sort of. But they're using this idea of it's a, it's a green rest. And then, of course, oh, skip one there. Of course, we have um, Pope Francis coming out saying things like, we can no longer remain silent before one of the greatest environmental crises in the world, world's history. And we have the economic side of it as well, the Economic for, um, World Forum. The pandemic represents a rare but narrow window opportunity to reflect, reimagine, and reset our world. What's going on? Two years ago, it was like a different planet. And the funny thing, and I use that very loosely, is that this isn't just an Australian problem now. This is universal. We still have some unique problems in Australia, but it's a universal issue. So, what is going on? Well, I want to take you on a really whirlwind, quick journey of seven feasts that God designed and gave to his people. Seven feasts. You can see it on the screen. You might all tilt your head on one angle to read it. But the first feast there is Passover. You've all heard of Passover, haven't you? Yes. yes. And then there was the Feast of 
unleavened bread, the feast of first fruits or the wave sheaf, depending on which uh, words you want to use. And then there was the feast of Pentecost, the feast of trumpets. What's the next one, everybody? Oh, good. And the last one is the feast of tabernacles or tents or dwellings. Now, what in the world has this got to do with what I've just said? I asked the question, what's going on in the world? It seems like there's no stability any longer. You can't plan for anything anymore. In fact, did you know today I'm supposed to be in Perth today running Prophetica with a number of other speakers, but that it's been cancelled because of all the uncertainty of border restrictions. I was supposed to be in Adelaide two weeks ago. That was cancelled as well. Why? Because of the uncertainty of the borders. And then a month ago, I was supposed to be in Hobart. That's been cancelled. Well, that was cancelled as well. Why? Because uncertain. it seems like there's no certainty anymore. So what's any of that got to do with these seven feasts? Well, I want to ask you very quickly. I'm assuming you're all good Bible students. And if not, you're in the right place. What's the significance of Passover? What was the significance of Passover? Very quickly, otherwise we're going to be here until the afternoon meeting, which you all should be here at, at what time? Yes, Passover of the Jews in, well, the, the Hebrews in Egypt. Yep, the blood on the doors. But what's the significance of that for the Christian? Jesus, his death. Remember, he died on which, which feast did he die on? Passover, right? And the blood that was shed back with the Egyptians in that time period represented the blood that Jesus shed for us, correct? So Jesus represents the Passover for us. We are passed over in judgment because of the death of Jesus, the firstborn. What about the unleavened bread? The unleavened bread was when the bread had no yeast, and yeast is a symbol of sin. And interestingly, the unleavened bread, the leftovers, was placed into the ground in the actual feast that the Hebrews had. What happened to Jesus? Was his body, did it have any sin? No, it was unleavened. What happened to it at the end of the, the, fest, the festival? It was placed into the ground. So Jesus is the unleavened bread. So Jesus is the Passover. Jesus is the unleavened bread. This is why we as Christians today do not sacrifice lambs. Because Jesus fulfilled that. Jesus fulfilled the unleavened bread. First fruits. The first fruits was when the first bud, uh, uh, bundle of the crop had reached its ripeness, they would bundle up the first sheath of, of barley normally, and they would take it to the temple or to the, the sanctuary, and they would offer it as a gift to God for the harvest that was to come. You see, they kind of paid the tithe or returned the tithe before they took the harvest. Could you imagine giving your tithe back to God before you got paid? That's kind of the idea here. But long story short, when Jesus resurrected, what does the Bible say happened with him? There was a great earthquake and what happened? There were many who came out of the tombs. These many represent the first fruits of the great harvest, representing those who will be redeemed. So Jesus, in his death and his burial and his resurrection, fulfilled 
the first three of these feasts. Now remember, we're asking the question, what's going on in this world right now? Well, let's get to that point. What comes after first fruits? Which one? Are you sure? Are you reading my screen or are you telling me what you already knew? You're reading the screen, very good. At least you're honest. Um, give me one second here. Here we go. All right. I want you to take your Bibles out with me very quickly and open them up to Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 1. The book of Acts and chapter 1. Is everybody there? Come on, we're going to do this fast. I can see some of you getting hungry. That's not my fault. Acts chapter 1, are you all there? All right, I'm beginning in verse 7. Jesus said to them, to his disciples in Acts chapter 7. So Jesus is resurrected. So the first fruits has happened. And we're in between the first fruits and Pentecost. And Jesus is here in verse 7. He says, it's not for you to know the times or the what? Seasons. Why is he saying this? Well, because the disciples just asked, Lord, now that you're resurrected, is it time for you to restore Israel? The kingdom of Israel. And Jesus turns around and I think he says this very politely, very nicely, very lovingly. He says, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. Which the Father has put into his own authority. Don't be getting your nose so high up that you want to get into the Father's business. You leave that to the Father. Verse 8. But I know you're interested. I know you want to know what the times, the seasons are, but leave that to the Father. Verse 8, but you, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and the other ends of the earth. So the disciples are asking the question, hey, what's going to happen next with the world events? When's Jerusalem coming back onto the scene? When's Israel going to be restored? And Jesus says, wait, 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 that's the father's business. You keep your nose out of that. But here's your business. What's your business? Wait for power from the Holy Spirit. And when you get the power, go and be a witness to who? To the Africans? No. To the Europeans? No. To the Asians? No. A witness to your neighbor. Are you following with me so far? I told you there's a connection. A lot of connections today. So Jesus is having this conversation shortly after his resurrection. First fruits. I want you to notice what happens in verse 9. After he says this, it says, Now when he had spoken these things, what happened? While they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received them. So what are we talking about here? The ascension of Jesus. Jesus has now ascended to heaven. Are you with me? All right. Watch this now. Come with me to chapter 2. In chapter 2, verse 1, the Bible says this. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. Penti is 50, 50 days. When the 50 days had fully come. So we've now got 50 days from the day after the Passover. So Jesus died 
50 days before, approximately, 5051. Now here in chapter 2, verse 1, it's now 50 days later, the day of Pentecost has fully come, and notice this, they were all with one accord, that's one purpose, one intent, one mind, one goal, that's unity, isn't it? And they were in one place. Who are these people? This is the church. Verse 2, And then suddenly there came a sound from heaven as the rushing of a mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as fire, and one sat on each one of them. And they were all filled with what? The Holy Spirit. So these people, the church, they were 40 days or it's about 10 days between now and, and when Jesus spoke the words. 10 days ago, they're super interested in what God's got in plan, installed for the times and the seasons. And the kingdom rising and the kingdom falling. And Jesus says, don't worry about that. That's the Father's business. You have one job. Prepare to be witnesses. And for 10 days, they've done it. They have, they're in one accord. They're in one, one place. And we haven't read it in chapter 1, but they were doing what for those 10 days? Praying. Now Pentecost has fully come. The Holy Spirit has been poured out. And we call this the early rain. The early rain of the Holy Spirit has poured out on God's people. And I want you to notice what the Bible says in verse 5 to verse 13. We're going to skip through this very quickly. But in verse 5 it says, And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under earth. Do you see that? Every nation is represented at this point. What time? When it had fully come. And then it lists all the sorts of people there, the different nations and the different uh, languages. And notice verse 7. It says, And they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are or not all these who speak Galilean? Verse 8. And how is it that we what? We hear each in our own language. You see, some people think that this day of Pentecost, the falling of the Holy Spirit, was the most um, nonsensical, gibberish, shouting and commotional thing in the history of ever. But clearly it wasn't because the people who are watching this, they're going... How is it possible that I'm hearing in my language that person who's a foreigner? How is that possible? So they're all in shock. And in verse 12, they say, it says that they were all amazed, they're perplexed, saying, whatever could this mean? Or put it this way, what's going on? What's going on? Verse 14, but Peter standing up with the 11. Notice Peter's not there up here, just, oh, look, 
I'm the Pope in the making. No, he was there with the eleven. They were a united church. Now, I'm going to read Peter's sermon in its entirety. Can you focus along with me? We'll do it fast, I promise. I want you to notice this in its entirety. And as we're reading this sermon, you're going to get two sermons there. You're getting Peter's sermon inside of my sermon. When you listen to Peter's sermon, I want you to listen very, very carefully to what he says. And then I'm going to ask you, I'm going to quiz you, what was his point of his sermon? Are you with me? Because what his point of his sermon, it's the point of my sermon. So let's go. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice. What's that sound like? And with a loud voice. Who's he speaking to? To people from every nation. That sounds kind of like something else in Revelation. People from all the world hearing a loud voice. Anyway, you'll catch on. Notice this. He says in verse 14, Let it be known and heed my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. This is it. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my manservants and on my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and in the signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Man of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate purpose and the foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and you have crucified him and put him to death. Whom God has raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand. Therefore, my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried and in his tomb with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with him an oath, that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. He, foresawing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh seek corruption. 
This Jesus God has raised up of which we are all what? Witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you have both cruci- sorry, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said, what shall we do? I just read to you Peter's sermon. It's a powerful sermon. There are 26 verses in this sermon. Preached on the day of what? Pentecost. In those 26 verses that we just read, 13 of the verses, Peter was quoting the Old Testament. He quoted David from the Psalms and he quoted Joel from the book of Joel. That's 13 verses. That's half of his sermon. Then 11 verses he used to explain the 13 verses, or 13 verses that he quoted. And he used to explain those prophecies in light of what was happening on the day of Pentecost. And then the last two verses of Peter's sermon was an appeal to repent. What was the result of this sermon? Unbelievable the impact that this message had. Now, I asked you, I was going to quiz you, what was my quiz going to be? What's Peter's point? So what, Peter? Great sermon. But what's the point? Well, you tell me, you listened. What was Peter's point in that sermon on the day of Pentecost? You're all going to go home and in your lay activities, you're going to pull out your Bible commentaries, you're going to get your Bible dictionaries, and you're going to study this sermon. 26 verses. Let me share with you the point. Normally a point in the sermon is repeated a number of times so you get it. And here's the five to- four times that Peter made his point. Quickly scan those texts and see if you can tell me what they're all in common. All right, very good. Let me tell you. In Acts 2.25, Peter's point, first point, is that today, on the day of Pentecost, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. That's the first time he makes the point. Then in verse 30, he makes the point that Jesus is on his throne, guess where? At the right hand of the Father. And then in verse 33, he makes the point a third time, that Jesus is at the right hand of God. And then in verse 34, he makes the point the fourth time, which is, you get the point now, right? Jesus is at the right hand of God. Why is this important? Why was it so important for Peter to communicate to these people that Jesus is at the right hand of God? Well, two reasons. Number one, Jesus was dead 50 days ago. 
I mean, think about that for a second. He was dead. They saw him die on a cross and laid in a tomb. That Jesus of Galilee, that carpenter, he is sitting at the right hand of the Father today. I think that they were more excited than you are. Look at this verse. Look at verse 32. Acts 2.32. This Jesus God has raised up of which we are all witnesses. Therefore being exalted to the right hand of God. Notice this now. Having received the what? Having received from the Father the what? The promise of the Holy Spirit. Watch this. Keep your finger here. Go with me to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. John chapter 5. I want you to notice this. What did Peter just say? Having just received the what? The Holy Spirit. Did I say John chapter 5? Yeah, that was a, that was a misinformation. <laughs> I want you to go to John chapter 7. That's where I want you to go. John chapter 7. And I want you to know what the Bible says. Beginning in verse 37. John 7, 37. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living what? Notice this now. Look what John puts in there. Verse 39. But, John speaking, this Jesus spoke concerning the what? The Holy Spirit. Whom those believing in him would receive. Does that make sense? So those believing in Jesus will receive the Holy Spirit. But notice this. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. What happened on the day of Pentecost? The Holy Spirit was given that means that Jesus has now been glorified. Thank you, one person. Jesus has been glorified. He's at the right hand of the Father. You know what that means? Okay, you don't know what it means. Does anybody here have a right-hand man? No? You should get one. Right-hand man is one that... that it's like, can do anything and everything for you. Take care of the issues. You get what I mean by that? You should know this. You're a European, most of you. I solved the problem. Right-hand man. The presidents have right-hand men. Prime ministers have right-hand men. Now, here's the interesting thing. True story. When I was in Taiwan, the president of the country, not the church, the country, I knew his bodyguard. Are you impressed? I was. Secret service. I was very good friends 
because he was the friend, he was married to one of my members. He wasn't an Adventist, but he was secret service for the president of the country. He was a bodyguard. And we had some very interesting conversations, believe me. When you know the right-hand man to the president, do you know what you have by default? Come on, it's not rocket science. You have access to the president. I can tell the right-hand man something, and the right-hand man can tell the president, I've got direct access to the president. Do you know that I have access to the right-hand man of God? Oh, Jesus is our right-hand man. He is one of us and he's one of God. He is the one that is the bridge. And he, the disciples are saying to all the people in the day of Pentecost, listen, that man, he's at the right hand. And to prove that he is at the right hand, guess what he's done? He has poured out this gift that you now see and hear. The Holy Spirit being poured out is the evidence that He has taken the throne at the right hand. The disciples were so compelling with their enthusiasm, unlike some of us here this morning, that 3,000 people said, I want to be in. I want to be a part of this movement. I want access to the right hand man. The church grew exponentially. Do you know why? Because no longer were they looking at what was happening on earth. On the day of Pentecost, the church's attention went from what's happening down here. What's the times and the seasons, Jesus? When is your return? What's going to happen? What are the signs? That was all of their attention until the day of Pentecost. Because now Jesus is on the throne. And now the attention was turned to a heavenly ministry. Not an earthly ministry, a heavenly ministry. And now all of the church's attention was what was happening in heaven. Not what's happening on earth. That's how they could face those Roman Colosseums. When they were being attacked by those animals. Where were they looking Up. When Stephen was stoned, where was he looking? Up. The church's attention should be focused now in what's happening in heaven, not on earth. And we know that as those trumpets sounded, announcing that judgment is coming, and as the atonement, the great anti-typical day of atonement began, Those who had their attention on what was happening in heaven, they followed Jesus from the holy to the most holy. The church that had their focus here on earth and what was happening in earth with Napoleon and and all these things, guess what they missed? They missed the transition. After the Day of Atonement finishes, what's the next and last feast? Tabernacle. Do you know where that tabernacling takes place? (laughs) 
I'll give you a hint. There's a great big tabernacle called the New Jerusalem and it comes down. And we're going to dwell in, down on a new earth. So that tabernacle, where's our focus going to be? During that feast. On the earth. But something, something's going to transition our attention from heaven back to earth. And I want you to notice, you see on the screen, I realize that you are putting up with me longer than you probably prepared for. But you have to get this when you walk out of this door. The early rain, the day of Pentecost, it took the church's attention off the world and it put it right into heaven, right into the throne room of God. And by the way, did you notice what David, uh, Peter said, quoting David? He said, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Because Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, I shall not be moved. How are you in your, your daily experience? Are you oh, like jelly one way this way today, that way tomorrow? Or are you firm because you have the right hand man on your side? So the early rain put our attention on heaven. But there is something coming that's going to bring our attention from heaven back to earth. And we call it a ladder rain. You can read about it in chapter 14, chapter 17, and chapter 18 of Revelation. Something starts to happen down here that brings heaven back to earth. And that latter rain is going to be more powerful than what it was in the early rain. I want to leave you with four points now. And if you want to hear more on this, because I'm not going to finish all these thoughts, come back this afternoon. At what time? Very good. I keep asking you because I don't know what time it is. I'll just be here. In between that day of atonement, and the latter rain, there are some things that have to happen. Very briefly and very high level, here's some of them. And this is going to shock some of you. Like, I mean, you're going to go, what? The first thing, which is not shocking, is Jesus says that the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom, will go to all the world before the end comes. That's not shocking, is it? Yes or no? No, of course not. The gospel will go to all the world. Well, we know that's going to happen before the latter rain and closing with the latter rain. Next thing. In Revelation chapter 14, verse 6, right before the latter rain, it says that the everlasting gospel will go to all the world. And in the context there, there are three elements to that message. The first, second and third angel's message. I want to share this statement. I've shared this before at this church, but I'll share it again. It says, In a special sense, Seventh-day Adventists have been set in the world as watchmen and light bearers. To them have been entrusted the last warning for a perishing world. On them is shining wonderful light from the Word of God, and they have been given a work of the most solemn import, the proclamation of the first, second, and third angels' messages. There is no other work so great of importance. Well, that makes sense, right? Because before Jesus comes back, before latter rain falls and all the, all the other stuff happens, the gospel's got to go to all the world. 
And the gospel in, in the end time context is three angels' messages. And that's going to happen because there is a group of people on the planet who do nothing and care about nothing else other than proclamation of the first, second and third angels' message. Is that you? Okay, well, <laughs> it will be by this afternoon, right? So we know between the Day of Atonement and the latter rain, those two events, the gospel will go to all the world and the three angels' messages will be proclaimed to all the world. Here's the one that's going to shock you, I think. Yes. This is going to shock some of you. Can I go this way? It's a bit small. Every truly converted soul, what does that mean? It's not fake. It's not lukewarm. It's not, I'm half in, I'm half out. This is the full real deal. The soul who has joined fully into God's side. Notice what it says. Will be intensely desirous to bring others from darkness of error into the marvelous light of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? A person who is fully on God's side and in God's camp is intensely desirous of sharing with others. And then it says, the great outpouring of the Spirit of God, which lightens the whole earth with His glory. What's that? What's the, what Bible passage is this referring to? The angel that comes and pours out and lightens the whole earth with His glory. What angel is that? Revelation 18, right? Very good. The fourth angel. And what is that? That's the latter rain. Notice this, the great outpouring of the Holy Spirit or the, the latter rain will not come until we have an enlightened people that know by experience what it means to be, what's that next two words? Laborers together with God. Do you know what that means? She, uh, she uses the expression a lot. This expression means you are passionate about winning people to Jesus. It's about being a witness in your neighborhood. That's what a laborer together with God is. Remember, Jesus said, hey, forget the seasons. Forget the times. Forget the kingdoms. That's God's problem. You've got one job. Be a witness. Be a laborer together with God. Notice this, finishing off. When we have and when we have entire, does this have a laser? When we have entire, wholehearted consecration to the service of Christ, that's soul winning, that's evangelism, that's personal ministries, God will recognize the fact by an outpouring of His Spirit, what's that say? Without measure. So when does God pour out the Holy Spirit? Without measure? In recognition of the fact that we need the power to be soul winners. But this will not be while the largest portion of the church are not laborers together with God. If you are waiting for something to trigger the latter rain pouring out so that this show can finish, 
You have lost the plot. Because God's waiting for us to put our hand up to say, I want to be a soul winner. I need power to be a soul winner. Just like Peter was an absolute coward before he got the power. I'm a coward. Where's the power, Jesus? The disciples had no income. How do we do outreach, Jesus, with no income? I'll give you the power. But until, the, what's it say? The largest portion. Now, I read this. I almost teared up and cried because I am fearful I won't live to see this. I've been in the church September, uh, October 26th this year. will be 20 years since I found Jesus or Jesus revealed him. However you want to talk about it. I've been attending Bible-believing Christian church for 20 years on October 23, next month. 20 years. If you had told me after September 11, 2001, that you'll be here, Robbie, for 20 years, I would have said, you have no faith. But now I know why. Because we have no passion. We're not intensely desirous to share the truth with people. Are you? We would prefer to come here and debate about what Palaszczuk is doing right and wrong. What Dr. Fauci, whatever you say his name. We know more about the American people than we do about Jesus. We've got more passion to share videos about the conspiracy stuff. And I'm all interested in that stuff. Don't get me wrong. It's all cool. Share it with me. But I'm more interested in Jesus and sharing salvation with Janice from Coffs Saba, with Peter from Newcastle, from George from Newcastle. These are the people we want to reach. So my question to you, my challenge to you, my plea with you is this. Please don't wait for the coronavirus, vaccine, the passports, all that stuff to just happen before Jesus returns. That stuff is hindering our work. When our efforts for evangelism are being shut, we have a problem, Jesus, and we need power. Send us the power. Do a Stephen and Stephen Philip transport us across these locked borders. Let us share the gospel with people. And if you are not in lockdown, what excuse do you have? The Victorians can go. Oh, I can only go five kilometers. I've letterboxed everybody. Great. What's your excuse? You can travel wherever you want in an entire state. Share Jesus. I'm waiting for Jesus to come, but I'm fearful I won't see it. Because I don't know how many churches you have attended recently, but the largest proportion of the church that I've seen is not passionate about sharing Jesus with people. They're passionate about nominating committees, board meetings, luncheons, building projects, they're passionate, all those things, but they're not passionate about soul winning. I was talking to an old-time member. This is before I was a, a Christian. Old-time member, maybe some of you know about this. Old -time old, an old-time member told me that when they used to go to Sabbath school, someone used to get up and say, how many of you have given a Bible study this week? Five. How many of you have been praying for somebody? I don't know if it was public like that or if it was like a secret card or whatever it was, but 
They kept the, I'm not saying to do that, don't get me wrong. But as I listened to this lady share her story of how church was when she was young, it made me think, you know, I'm sure there's probably a legalistic attitude somewhere to be interpreted and all of that. You know, I'm working my way to heaven. I've given two prayers, a Bible study, whatnot, right? But here's the problem. If you disregard that concept completely, there's no accountability. How many people have asked you, have you prayed for someone this week? How many people have asked you, have you given a Bible study this week? Have you given a piece of literature to someone this week? Because if no one asks you, you know what the chances are? You won't think it's important. Friends, I want Jesus to come, don't you? I want to see Jesus in those clouds of glory. I want the coronavirus to be a distant memory. I want all of this to be over. But it's only going to happen if we all get together and we share Jesus with the lost. Because Jesus is not willing that any should perish. Oh, you've been good saints to me this afternoon. Let's stand with me and let's pray. What's going on with this world? Here's my answer to you. And I say this in the nicest possible way. Who cares? What's happening in heaven? I reckon Jesus, I don't know if Jesus can feel these things, but I reckon he must be getting itchy feet or wings or robes or horses, whatever it is. Like, when can I come back? Where's the largest proportion of my people petitioning me to pour out the Holy Spirit? Where are they? Let's get this show over. I don't really think Jesus needed 1,990 years since the day of Pentecost for this to happen. I'm glad it did because now I'm in the story and my seven-month-old baby's in the story. That's awesome. But the story's got to end some point, right? I wonder if the Spirit of God is talking to you today. Is He saying to you, can you please ask me for the power to share what I've done for you with someone else? That's what I want to pray for this morning. I want to pray or this afternoon. I want to pray for you. That you would have the courage to ask. And don't forget the promise in Matthew 7, 7. If you ask, what happens? You shall receive. And in that passage is the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father in heaven. What's going on in this world? A whole lot of distraction is what's going on. These daily press conferences, there's more people are watching this than attending the churches. These restrictions, people are more inclined to keep the restrictions than to keep the commandments of God. What's going on in this world, Lord? We're being distracted from what you're trying to do in heaven. The closing scenes of the investigative judgment. A desire to pour out your spirit upon those asking for help to share the good news of salvation. Father, each person standing here this morning in this auditorium, you need enlisted in your army.
your army of witnesses. There's no weapons, there's no, there's no uh, great resources, simply a heart to share what you have done. Father, I pray for each person here who is timid, who is afraid, who's nervous, who's scared, who's worried about opening their mouth to speak on your behalf. Give them the boldness that fishermen got, that tax collectors got. Pour out that spirit upon us, Father. It's got to start somewhere. And why not start here in Salisbury? Why not start with an outreach-focused mission that encompasses everything of the church life? Lord, thank you for the people that you've placed in this fellowship and the resources that they bring with their talents. But Lord, multiply them. We want to see Jesus come back. Bless our children as we train them, as we inspire them and encourage them. Help them to have the boldness of children of the Waldensians. They can speak a word of encouragement where it may be difficult for us as adults too. Let us prepare now for the time that we have left. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May God bless you. Thank you very much for your time. I pray that you will leave here encouraged that God wants to work with you. And we'll see you this afternoon. Over to you, brother.